Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Uh Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Julie. Huh? Julie. Huh? Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. (laughs) Anybody? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. Huh? What day is it, Mike? Huh? Woo-hoo! Leslie, guess what today is? Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. Hump day! Woo-hoo! <laughs> it's hump day. Hump day! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files here on the Bassin News Radio Network. Uh, I'll be joined uh, by Dr. Larry here uh, in a couple of seconds. In fact, here he is on the line. Dr. Larry, how are you doing? I'm just fine. How are you tonight? Oh, not too bad. we got so much to talk about. Uh, yeah, we so. sure do. <laughs> yes, we do. All right. And by the way, the, this is the Resistance Hour here on the Wednesday Resistance Special. We'll be uh, following this show and this network will be uh, the Resistance Hour with, Tom, with Dr. Larry and Tom. And Dr. Larry, who do we have on our guest for the second hour tonight? Well, I'm afraid that our our guests have uh, all been uh, occupied with other other commitments, and so our guest... My guest is you, and your guest is me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds about, but don't worry about it. Like I say, it's not like we're going to run out of things to talk about. Uh, so, and we do have a lot to talk about. We Obviously, we've got Afghanistan. Uh, uh, we now have OPEC basically telling Joe Biden that, hell no, we're not going to increase oil production. We like the fact that Japan a hell of a lot higher prices than what you did last year uh, and, and put it in our pocketbook. Uh, uh, retail sales are down. Uh, we can review the new world order that may no longer be in existence and everything else. So uh, I, all I got to say is uh, it's almost a question. Where do we begin? Yeah, I got to say this. Uh, I remember about a year and a half ago, I made the observation that a specific congresswoman out of New York wasn't exactly the brightest bulb out there. And and I remember people saying, how dare you say that she's not the brightest bulb out there? And, of course, these are people who basically were the same people who used the word orange orangutan to describe President Trump (laughs) and Mr. Magoo to describe Mitch McConnell. Well, I don't know about you, Larry, but... Can you simply say to me that we can at least make this observation in the brightest are not exactly really over us today? I sure don't see uh, very many in this uh, 
in this administration. Um, they don't seem to know who our friends and our who are our enemies, and that's yeah. always dangerous. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. Yeah. It, absolutely. And uh, I, you know, I, I'm gonna say is, you know. I kind of view this in uh, two different ways. Either we had two choices, really, in a way. We had one. Uh, uh, this was a point made by Austin Bay today. Uh, we could have set up guard duty. And what he meant by that, you know, a small remnants of troops, you know, keep tabs of the, you know, have that big air force base and maintain some presence in that particular area. Or A, B, you would have A, thought about putting a orderly withdrawal in place where you got your people out. We got those Afghans who fought with us out before we decided to you know, take off. It seems to me we kind of took off first and then worried about everything else second. Whatever you can say, uh, can we, you know, the one observation I can make right now is that. If you could do anything completely ass-backwards, this was done completely ass-earthless. Well, it's, it is so monumental. It's, some of the commentators are saying it's the most uh, monumental mistake in, uh, in foreign policy in American history. Uh, it's hard to, hard to uh, make such comparisons uh, based upon historical assessments, but the fact is, it's certainly the worst, uh, the worst mistake that's been made recently, <clears throat> because it has so many uh, uh, ramifications. I mean, not not only do you have ramifications of the uh, on the fate of all of the Americans that are still in the country. And, and that number keeps rising. The last uh, we on the night uh, two nights ago, we were we were told that it was there were approximately a, f- a few a hundred, and, and then uh, by 24 hours later, it was uh, 15,000. And later on, uh, they were saying it might be as many as four, 40,000. And not only that, but they didn't know where they were. They didn't know. They had no census of the uh, Americans that were in the in the in country, and they didn't even know who who they were or where they were or how many there were. That's that's number one. Number two, uh, they have the uh, all of the people that were the uh, Afghans that were helping over 20 years of uh, American uh, in, in uh, presence, I was going to say invasion, which I guess is really pretty accurate, uh, they are, are facing tonight, uh, they are facing death or uh, a, a very slim, almost almost invisible chance to uh, to relocate to the United States. There are 600 of them apparently. Uh, that have uh, been successful, and and that number also keeps growing. Uh, 
The last number I heard was something in, in the range of 60,000. The people who really know, uh, who are, will know who those people were by name and by uh, location are the Taliban because they have now uh, taken over all of the records that we had at, uh, at the uh, program uh, air base and uh, they actually have better records apparently than our our own uh, military and state department do but so that's 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 the, the vast human uh, slaughter that we're, we're we're probably facing and then the second level is the international implications of the uh, uh, fact that the Taliban have uh, have really um, uh, re in, re or repopulated the entire uh, uh, terrorist uh, group of the uh, extreme Muslims, who many of whom apparently were uh, the uh, uh, Guantanamo Bay uh, inmates. Some of them were anyway, and uh, they've all been thousands of those have been released from prison by the Taliban and uh, they are now we are now facing another decade of the same kind of threat that produced uh, that produced 9-11 uh, for, mm -hmm. for America and and countless other uh, terrorist events uh, throughout the throughout the, the Western world and and also that probably means the revision of extreme uh, Muslim uh, uh, tech sects such as Al Qaeda, which was pretty well defeated and uh, before. And that and then there's there's the final blow, if you will, that uh, allows China and and uh, Russia particularly to uh, capitalize on the uh, show of weakness that this represents for the American military and the American uh, international uh, position, where we are now, can, they, are, they already are recognizing the Taliban uh, 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 governance of... Uh, uh, as the legitimate government of uh, Afghanistan, and they are also um, the uh, Chinese now have an overland uh, access to Iran, and uh, they are in, in the process of making uh, the case that the Americans have are declined, and that they've been claiming it all along, and this is a good example of it, and uh, they are probably now in the position of taking over most of South Asia, in addition to the South China Sea, and in addition to their movements uh, even into Manchuria. So it's just it's just colossal. It, it, it's so big that we don't even know how big it is. Yeah. Hold on, this is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent 
one in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? One in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism? One in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Ladies and gentlemen, this this particular hour or this particular segment will be brought to you by... Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back here at the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you want to listen to this show every day on the bachelornews.airtime.pro, here's what you need to do. Go to the bachelornews.airtime.pro. We're on at uh, 11 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time in the morning and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in the afternoon, every day. Also on steamyard.com. Tune in and iTunes and Spot Five and Anchor. Uh, we're everywhere and everywhere. So, and don't forget the Resistance Hour is on 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every day. So, and it's also 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, just to let you know, the two great programs: the Resistance Hour on Wednesday on the Bachelor News. Radio. All right, let's kind of follow up. You, okay, you made a pretty good point of a geopolitical, uh, uh, a geopolitical aspect. Kind of follow up, you know, with China and what it means uh, at this point. Yeah, kind of, you know, what you were talking about. Well, China is extremely methodical and uh, and very uh, cool coldly rational in its uh, in its uh, quest to uh, regain uh, what, what they believe is regain their uh, position as the uh, prominent uh, preeminent uh, power of the uh, in the world and uh, that includes a, a multi faceted version of uh, uh, all of their uh, all of their initiatives. For, for example, uh, they're uh, push they're pushing very hard to um, create the uh, yuan as a uh, reserve currency for the world, dethroning the U.S. dollar. Now, you, uh, the average person might not care about that, or might think that's kind of trivial, but the fact is, the only reason that we are able to print money and make it uh, and, and make all of those 
pieces of paper that we are printing to cover our deficits, for example, and the reason that those those pieces of paper can actually uh, provide uh, buy things and be accepted as uh, as uh, legitimate currency are because uh, the Bretton Woods uh, Agreement from uh, 1944 makes uh, the United States dollar as the reserve currency of the uh, of the world trade. Well, if the yuan becomes the uh, uh, another reserve currency, and and if in fact it's cheaper and and it's much more uh, uh, flexible in a lot of ways, uh, then uh, a lot of our 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 uh, whole fiscal structure starts to crumble, and we all of a sudden have all of this paper money that it's it's like. Germany in the 1920s, you know, take a wheelbarrow full of money to buy to buy a loaf of bread, so, and that's that's just one of their their things, and we could go into a lot of detail about that. Um, it's being supported, by the way, by the International Monetary Fund, which is uh, now uh, being uh, has uh, has uh, admitted. China. China was considered up until a few years ago as a uh, as a uh, developing country, and it had less uh, buying, less uh, uh, voting power in the international uh, monetary fund than uh, than uh, let's say France or or or, even, or Canada. In fact, they had less than than uh, Brazil. And then all of a sudden, with American support from the Obama administration, they were uh, allowed to become a uh, member of the uh, of the elite, uh, the, the group, the governing group, and they suddenly went from their position of 20th or so to the number two, uh, and uh, second only to the United States. Um, and then, of course, the, that that in turn gave them the prestige to be able to go out and make a lot of international uh, uh, contracts with, particularly lately with uh, South America. And uh, it's just they they are if if we're not careful, and we're not being careful, uh, they are going to win that war. And if they win that war. Uh, they will they will have depleted our uh, capabilities beyond anything that any even a war could do, uh, and yet the Americans just keep on printing money and 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 making uh, getting into deficits that uh, are just unsustainable. So I mean that's only yeah. one of the that's only one of their gambits. Other gambits are that they make uh, they make all these. Uh, Deals with uh, undeveloped countries, and when they can't repay it, then they uh, they take over their assets and they uh, put their own people in charge. That's that's happening all over uh, Africa, and uh, and much of it's already happened uh, over much of the of the Far East. So, 
uh, so, you know, we could go on and on. I'm sure we. I'm I'm down in the weeds now. I don't want to get too. Uh, so detailed, no, actually, but, no. Yeah, you're. I mean, here's the thing coming to play because we, you know, we have been missing. You know, you're putting a big picture on all of this, uh, because basically, let's talk about like the Silk Road. You know, the Silk, you know, the Silk Road where China, basically, you know, Africa and Asia, but also we're looking at. Okay, they're moving into Pakistan. They're moving, and there are tons of minerals in Afghanistan, which they're going to have access to, and we did. They're it's, already trying to buy it. Yeah, they're already trying Control to buy it. it. So, and here's the thing that comes into play is that it, it, it matters because, quite frankly, I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Let me put it in this capacity. I mean, this was 11 hours ago on CNN. Makes you kind of wonder, you know, all right. We are talking $1 trillion. We're talking iron, copper, gold, rare earth minerals, which, by the way, including lithium, that are needed, let's say, and let's say in our computers. And, of course, if you want to buy a electric car, it will be needed in that way which basically means uh, when you buy your next Delta or Delta down the road, you know, you're going to be buying it with Chinese labor or I should say Afghan labor controlled by China. Well, just to, yeah, just it, to give you. It, it's, a, it, it's also, I mean, here's another factor. Most, mostly what can sustains the Afghan economy such as it is, is this, uh, these narco uh, dealers and and growers, and and they don't have <clears throat> a lot of capital. So what China does is come in and and buy their product, which gives them the capital to expand and to all start living and living the the, the big life. And then uh, China takes takes their their product and smuggles it into the United States and and we now have uh, what is it something like five million white people have been uh, have disappeared from the census list in the United States and it's mainly because of uh, overdoses of fentanyl and and other drugs many of which are almost all of which are provided by China so I mean that's another way that they're trying to get to us. It's it's an, it's yeah. it's it's so it's so ingenious and so evil that it, it's almost it's it's almost beyond beyond uh, conception. They have no no value of of our human life in in the least. They have no moral limits. Well, you know, here's a yeah. You know, I'm gonna make a point here because you, uh, because I'm gonna, you know, is uh, I, I made this la- I made this point last year, and I'll make it again this year because when we talk about national socialism or fascism, you know, we have this, uh, yeah, it's almost as if okay, we think of Adolf Hitler, uh, funny guys, as I say, funny guys running around. And uh, have funny guys running around with uh, funny-looking mustaches, little military uniforms up and down. What we don't see is the face of fascism in the 21st century, 
And I made the point about a year, about a couple of years ago, uh, namely, if you want to see what Hitler looks like today, China is what is the new national socialism. You know, communism as we understood it is long, you know, even the Chinese don't believe in it. What they do believe is a nationalist version in which they, you know, and we need to understand when I use the word national socialism, because while, while there is a quote-unquote capitalist side to China and their development, the reality is that most of these companies and most of these billionaires in China are pretty much under the control of the government. And there's actually been some recent crackdowns on some of these people. You know, as kind of a reminder who's the boss. In other words, as long as you do what we ask you to do, you can make billions of dollars. But but if you don't. But it better be in. Yeah. And this is the point, I mean, and this is the thing that comes into play is that you know, I've always said to me, China's theory has, you know, my theory of China is they want to be able to militarily control the Western Pacific. That's why they want Taiwan, uh, you know, Hong Kong. They want to be kind of like from a military aspect, control the Western Pacific. But they also want us to basically pay them tribute. Uh, and in fact, you know, we hollow ourselves out and and pay them tribute to be, like I say, second and third banana, you know, third power. In other words, they want us demoted, and they want to be controlled by all aspects, and they want their ideology to be controlled. Uh, and a point that, you know, what if you would have said to me 20 years ago, uh, no, this is not going to happen. But if you look at today, is uh, one of the best articles I ever stated, you know, saw was we are importing China's values. China is not importing arts. And you see this, you know, with some of our leadership. You see this with the uh, the tech companies that have their own, you know, their own version of social media credit. And this is, you know, kind of the way they want to control the world, per se. Well, they go a and lot I'll, farther than yeah. that, even. I mean, if yeah, you well, really take, hold want to. Yeah, 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 we got hold a break. Hold on that thought. You got a quick break here, and we'll follow up on that point of the Tom Donaldson Donaldson Files here with uh, Dr. Larry here on Resistance Hour and the Donaldson Files. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m. I make his breakfast. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m. I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m. I shower. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, here at the Donaldson Files of National News Radio Network and also 
For this particular segment is brought to you by Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink Responsibly, void where prohibited. Welcome, welcome back to Dawson Pass and the Bachelor News Radio Network. Don't forget, you can listen to this show uh, every day at 11 and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the BachelorNews.airtime.pro. All right, go ahead and follow up on uh, the, uh, the thoughts that uh, you were talking about. Well, I think I think the most bizarre and and unfortunate uh, ploy of the China, Chinese has been to uh, subvert uh, the uh, people that ended up uh, being uh, the, the having the president of the United States um, I, I called during the um, during this uh, past uh, campaign, I, I called uh, Mr. Biden, the uh, Manchurian candidate, after the uh, the uh, book and movie uh, of some time ago, uh, in which the uh, Chinese, in, 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 that, in that case, uh, made a ploy to uh, uh, infiltrate the American the American political system such that uh, they ended up with a uh, uh, an American president uh, candidate that was really a puppet of the uh, of the Chinese. Uh, I'm afraid that there is a, that there is a ma- massive history <coughs> of uh, corruption that that <coughs> that not only uh, involved uh, Mr. Biden's son. But also himself, because if you look at some of the uh, the uh, de- evidence that's been uh, put forward, uh, particularly by uh, Peter, um, uh, what's his name? The um, he wrote this. He wrote a book recently. Uh, Peter, Peter uh, Schweitzer. Peter Schweitzer. Schweitzer. Yeah, um, Schweitzer. Um, if you look at the look at that that. That, that case, it's it's almost uh, ironclad that uh, that there is a definite uh, uh, relationship between uh, the Bidens and uh, and the Chinese. That were it ever to become front page news in the United States and not be buried by uh, by the current uh, media. Uh, that uh, they would uh, that he would be impeached and uh, perhaps sent to prison, um, and I think that that has a lot to do with uh, the way that all these things are happening. Uh, we're always we're, everybody's wondering who's who's uh, who's actually drawing the uh, blueprint for the uh, actions that uh, by, that Mr. Biden is taking as. As exec, mainly as executive uh, 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 executive uh, actions, and uh, nobody seems to know 
exactly who it is that that is writing the uh, the scenario for all of these uh, really crippling uh, uh, dictates, and I. I I think that there's a lot of evidence that uh, that that the Chinese are in fact uh, very instrumental in a lot of that. I mean, who in the world would have said that uh, we, uh, as we finally uh, achieved uh, uh, energy independence, that we would that we would suddenly uh, cut off not only stopping the uh, the pipeline, but but also uh, Outlawing uh, the use of uh, the uh, public uh, properties for uh, for uh, producing uh, producing oil and, and natural gas. I mean that in itself is enough to uh, make somebody pretty darn suspicious. So, and I'm not really a conspiracy type of guy, and I've never really been very much of a conspiracy theorists, but I must admit that this whole thing it just uh it just fits such a neat pattern that it's hard hard not to believe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I mean it's yeah, the yeah, uh, let me put it in this you know, it, I guess the good way to say it somebody once said if you know, I think I read this once, uh but it makes sense. You know, today's conspiracy theory in six months will become tomorrow's truths. And we certainly have lived in a world uh, that conspiracy theory. I, it's almost somebody once I, I, I kind of once commented and jokingly, but I begin to think it's true. We all we're all living in Alex Jones's conspiratorial world. <laughs> but let me you know, maybe another way of putting it would be, you know, would a maturian candidate behaved any differently uh, than Biden has behaved when it comes to the policies toward Russia or China. And that's the point. Or, or the United States. I mean, yeah. there's a lot, much of what he's doing is weakening the United States to the point where uh, China uh, it will become the, uh, uh, the predominant military power without even trying. I mean, without even having a war or having to prove it, uh, the, you know, he's he's putting us into such uh, such a debt situation. And who's buying a lot of that debt? The Chinese are. Yeah. Yeah. For example. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, here's the thing again. Like said, you know, here's some of the things uh, you know I wrote a while back. I wrote this originally in 19, uh, 2019. And I repeated it about a couple of months ago, um, and I and I had, and I, and I started this way. A good friend of mine told me a few years ago after the class of the Soviet Empire, how surprised he was that communism ended up as national socialism. Uh, and then I went ahead and said, "Well, here's the thing: you know, if you don't buy into the aspect, you might want to tell the so- you might want to tell the the audience what national socialism is in colloquial well, terms." Okay, it's, close, not, it's called it's Nazism. Nazism. It's Nazism. It's Nazism, exactly. And again, this is a point that, you know, people, as I made earlier, you know, is that, you know, you know, to me, fascism has always been one of those things that would always come from the left. It would always be done in the name of the people. And you were not going to get funny looking guys with mustaches yelling, Z Kyle. 
and it's going to be done in a gradual way. But in the case of China, what does China have? Well, China has concentration camps that holds millions. They use the social media to control the population. And the present president of China is the George Orwellian 1984 big brother. While the Chinese allow profits to be made, the state controls all, and the companies, they make money, but they serve the state. It is state corporatism. China views itself as the new center of the universe with all nations bowing to it. I always ask the question what the world would be like if China was the most powerful country in the world. It will be a poorer world, less free world, and we'll see other nations and groups of nations copying this national socialistic movement. Uh, for years, we've seen our only elites who've admired China. Just listen, and this is what Michael Bloomberg you know, said during the primary. This is what he thinks. I mean, it's a question, what is a dictator? They don't have a democracy in the sense they don't have, that they have general elections. That is true. But they, quote, unquote, have a system where a small group of people points ahead. They turn over periodically. If you go back and look at the last two or three decades, there have been a number of positions of people who have had the same power as the president leadership. And I thought, you know, you read this and you listen to this, and it's like, you literally have a group of, of elites in our own country that, quite frankly, like what they see in China because they don't have to deal with these, in, you know, this inconvenient thing called democracy. They can simply use the power of the state, the power of the bureaucracy to rule. Uh, it's becoming a scary thing because, you know, these are not, you know, I mean, well, how many times have you heard, you know, Donald Trump be a, a fascist, a Nazi? And I, and if somebody wants to observe, well, the last time I checked, he didn't stop the election from being held. People are, you know, nobody went to concentration camps to oppose him. And he certainly didn't use the power of, the, uh, of his friends in the social media to censor others because he was the one that ended up getting censored. And, and like I say, you know, you get to this, this situation where, you know, you talk about conspiracy. But, you know, would we have seen a government behave that much differently if, let's say, they weren't, if they truly were the Manchurian candidate? Your thoughts? Answer, answer, I think, is no, because I think that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly what the uh, what the communication line is, but it's pretty clear that it's certainly deleterious and and destructive of to the United States, and uh, and that is in order for China to become the prominent the, the uh, preeminent uh, country in the in the planet. They have to. Uh, they have to. Our their own chief adversary is is us, the United States. So, the, in our, if anything that can dethrone, uh, so to speak, the United States, uh, in uh, not only in prestige but in power, actual power, which would be uh, monetary power, uh, military power. And 
and also uh, uh, increasingly technological power. Uh, in order for that to happen, the United States has to decline. At least it really makes it faster for the Chinese if the Americans decline at the same time they are rising. And, uh, and uh, that's exactly what seems to be happening. I mean, why have you got Wall Street that's so excited about this administration when, in fact, we've got, you know, this huge uh, financial uh, debt that's uh, accumulating faster than anybody ever thought possible? And, and you've also got uh, the uh, problem of uh, uh, energy dependence uh, that's, uh, that we thought was over and is now... He's going to begging uh, the, the uh, Saudi Arabia for more, uh, for to uh, pump more gas so that his inflation doesn't uh, increase. And the Saudis are saying, uh, "You go fly a kite." And uh, the, and uh, you take whatever whatever dimension you want to take. The, the, they, why why are they why are they so interested in in uh in china and why are they so reluctant to uh to uh put uh, to get out of china if you got nike that says china we're uh, we're all china well the reason is because they these short-sighted american capitalists are seeing uh, the huge market potential of the largest uh, population in the world and they just can't see beyond the the next dollar and well, hold on that thought right there yeah, we're, yeah hold on that thought we're going to follow up with that uh after this uh break this is tom donaldson with dr larry here on the donaldson files on the bachelor news radio network you might know me i'm 50 cent you may follow my tweets my facebook friends odds are a few in six degrees separate us we're that close What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger is too close for us to ignore. So visit feedinamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. And this particular last segment is brought to you by... Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Dawson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. You can call right now if you want to participate uh, any time over the next the hour and 20 minutes. You call in 646-929-0130, 646-929-0130, and, and give your opinion on what's going down. Do you think America is in decline? Do you agree with what we're saying? Do you disagree? If so, call in right now, and we'll even let you comment, even if you disagree, which I, I can't believe you would because 
you know, we are two of the most brilliant people out there. Uh, all right, let's try and follow up, uh, Larry, with some more of your brilliance. Uh, <laughs> I'm running out. <laughs> uh, yeah, but let's go back to the OPEC side. This, this to me, is an interesting aspect because we essentially were becoming exporters of the of the energy of fossil fuels. We literally were becoming exporters, and all of a sudden, that stopped. We had the Keystone Pipeline. Uh, be derailed almost immediately. Uh, we had, you know, the, 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 you know, no more drilling on public lands, uh, and we literally have seen something like a fifteen twenty percent drop on a daily basis on fossil fuels in the United States. And we're now again exporting from OPEC, exporting from Russia, things that we we were, you know, we were actually exporting ourselves. And you you make a good, a fascinating point here because the entire premise was the Green New Deal, to save the planet, save the environment. But I think the Biden administration has figured out that people may talk about saving the environment, but they sure don't like paying an extra dollar at the gas pump to do it on a daily basis. And when you're sitting there begging OPEC, would you please help us out a little bit? Uh, I'm not sure what's it's it's starting to look pathetic. I mean, I I don't. I mean, we're supposed to be a great country, and here we are begging people for resources that we have plenty of ourselves. It doesn't make sense to me. Your thoughts. Well, it doesn't make sense if you're trying, if you're trying to uh, uh, stabilize and elevate and uh, cultivate the United States. But if your goal is to secretly uh, defraud the United States and and uh, and uh, add to its decline, then it makes perfect sense. You do everything you can to hurt the. American economy, the American um, way of life, American institutions, including uh, taking your military uh, and telling them that uh, they have to spend their time in classes about uh, uh, critical uh, racial theory instead of uh, military uh, strategy, and uh, and you have to take. Uh, uh, you start getting a big increase in your military uh, 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 admit your military recruitment from people who want transsexual uh, uh, operations, which they will get free uh, in the military and uh, be out of commission for 18 months. Uh, if, you, if, if that's what you want, if if you want to degrade the military readiness of the United States, you do things like that, and that's what's exactly what's happening. And now, is Biden smart enough to figure out all this? I don't think so. But but the Chinese, as a group, are. They've been doing it yeah. for for a whole generation. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, here's because, like I said, I'm going to go back to the, to this OPEC side of the equation because, uh, because quite frankly, 
you know, it, it, again, like I say, it's pathetic that we have to beg, but it's even worse as a, you know, we have, I mean, this, I mean, like, I always made this observation. Uh, if you become dependent upon, like, solar and, and wind, uh, wind, or you have a ton of electric cars, you need a lot of rare earth minerals, which a good portion of is in China or controlled by the Chinese. You have to literally remember that when a lot of these wind uh, turbines or solar panels are manufactured in China. And I always said to myself, the one advantage of having an oil field, natural gas field, a coal mine, or even a nuclear plant, you can't move those to China. You can't take a uh, coal mine and send it to China. You can't take an oil field and move it to China. It's a rather stagnant thing, and and it's a you know, and I'm you know, and to me it's not you know cheap energy helps is another feature you know the cheaper the energy is just another reason why you would want to keep manufacturing here in the United States if you got access to cheap energy if you make it more expensive you know that's you're taking away one more reason not to have energy so. Yeah, and so the, and so the, I'm just like to say it just flabbergasts me that you know this is not rocket science, but it does show that we are ruled by some of what I'm going to call the worst group of elites or leadership class in my lifetime. You know, some, and and we can you know we look across the board, our scientific class, which we'll get into the. You know, we, we're going to expound more on this in the second hour, or I should say during the uh, resistance hour with Dr. Larry and Tom. We look at our military leaders. We look at our business leaders. We look at, you know, our academia class or scientific class and certainly our political class. And then literally these I mean, I, I don't. You and I, you know, like I say, you've lived longer than me, and I've lived, and I've lived. You know, this is my seventh decade. But can you really sit back and say? Uh, and we've had people like, you know, Bob Livingston on the show. Can you sit back and say, you know, Nancy Pelosi compared to, let's say, a Newt Gingrich when he was the Speaker of the House, or, or even let's say Nancy, you know. Or Bob Livingston, you know his years in Congress. Your thoughts? Um, Bob uh, New Ginger says <clears throat> that he can't, he can hardly believe the way that uh, Nancy Pelosi has uh, violated the Constitution and uh, aggregated power into one one office, or meaning her own office as Speaker. So uh, you know that's that's really I think the key to a lot of this from the Americans that are involved, and that is power. They, you know, they if you get enough money, then money doesn't doesn't continue to motivate you. If you get enough money, if you get enough uh, uh, prominence, and you get enough. Uh, uh, 
ego gratifying uh, types of uh, uh, attention in in the press and and in in the general uh, general under the general public. Then, then fame does not motivate you either. The thing that's left is power. And what is power? Power is the ability to make other people do what you want them to do. And there are two ways to do that. One is coercion and the other is uh, cooperation. And uh, if you have the ability to... Um, coerce people into doing what you want them to do, then that is a much more uh, uh, a much sure and much more potent uh, motivator than than cooperation. And uh, so that's that's really what's behind a lot of the push for uh, the uh, this this change in American uh, in America and what stands behind the American what is the American ethic the fundamental American ethic is freedom freedom and uh, and uh, life liberty and the pursuit of happiness well there are those people in this world who are not very interested in my my pursuit of happiness they're only interested in their pursuit of happiness, because they think that if they can make me do what what uh, they want me to do, that will make them happy, and that is not the uh, general ethic of the United States. Mostly, the United States is has it, it is the ethic, by the way, of most of human history. Uh, you've always had. The dictators and the uh, tribal, uh, the tribal leaders, and this whole idea of democratic government, where people have a choice in choosing who is going to lead them and what they're going to do, and and have the ability to uh, to uh, dethrone the people that are not uh, to their liking. Uh, that that's all very new. That's, but that's also critical to the American. Uh, American ethic. So if you want to if you want to take over America, you've got to get rid of this whole thing about democracy. So how do you do that? Well, you got one of the greatest uh, strategists, strategi- what do you say, strategists in uh, in um, in Western uh, history is uh, Karl Marx. And Karl Marx said, among other things, if you want to take over. And the first thing you start doing is trying to uh, segregate people into different little groups. You get as many boxes as you can, and you try to then you try to get them to uh, the people in each box to uh, feel very defensive and uh, and very uh, and, uh, hostile to other uh, other boxes. So that's in America that tends to be racism. You get the black people against the white people, and the white people against the the uh, brown people, and the brown people against everybody else, and so on. And then, what have you got in critical uh, racial theory? You got exactly the same thing. That's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to trying to get people into uh, little boxes that each of which is against the other, so that 
you know, it's that old divide and conquer idea. And that's exactly mm. what they're doing. And yeah. that so that's and that's that's only one example. Uh there's a whole I mean there's a whole philosophy of if you want to degrade America you've got to get rid of the institutions that support freedom and uh, self-determination. It's the only way to do it. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. But here's yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, like I said, this is a much deeper issue because I tried to make this you know, point a little bit yesterday, and I'm gonna kind of you know with the the swamp girl, and we were talking about this, and I'm gonna. I think we need to kind of follow up going into the second hour of this because I. Yeah. I, you know, again, if you wanted to destroy within, you wouldn't have done anything different as being done what's on the education front, which you've just got to talk about, the critical race theory, these aspects that come into play here. It's almost as if we're going to tear the whole thing down. Uh, and we see this like a good example would be this, and we're going to I'm like, you know, is crime. And somebody said to me, uh, you know, how do you – I mean, you literally – I mean, for the past year and a half, we've had a grand experiment, and we basically find out if you don't enforce the law, if you tell people you can shoplift, they're going to shoplift. If you tell people, uh, you know, we're going to defund the police, we're going to cut back on the police, and we're going to tell police don't do your job, crime goes up. But in the process, you're basically destroying those very communities that are the most directly affected. Most of them tend to be poor communities. Because, and I mean, it's almost as if it's almost a purposely, you know, it's almost as if somebody decided I'm, we're going to tear this whole place down. Uh, and. But maybe a question. I'm going to throw it back to you, and I want you to kind of start thinking about this. But here's the thing that I find fascinating to me is who's going to be – is anybody going to ever be held responsible for this disaster or these disasters? I mean, I mean, it's not just Joe Biden, but you have an entire military complex that supposedly trained the Afghan army. We've had literally intelligence. You know, intelligence, you would think that this would not have come as a surprise when you have intelligence and military in a country for 20 years, and they're like, oh, boy, this happened rather quickly. I wasn't expecting this. Should some heads start rolling on all of this? Should people be basically thrown to, or are we going to be doing what we always do? Nobody will be held accountable for any of this. Uh, well, the ultimate accountability in a democracy is the vote. So, yeah. you know, so uh, um, if you uh, if you want to get, I guess we're about out of time here. So, yeah. Well, David, why don't we hold on to that thought? Yes. Yeah. yeah, hold on to that thought. Come right back here here on the Donaldson Files on the Batch News Radio Network. This is Tom Donaldson saying good night to the Wednesday Resistance Edition.
uh, and have things done to them uh, in, in, in retribution is if uh, the opposition wins the election and fires them or does whatever they're, they're, they're trying to do. Uh, it doesn't always work. For example, it didn't work for Donald Trump because uh, there was a hate campaign that was very effective and uh, he was uh, on the defensive uh, much of the much of his uh, his term, but that that's the only way in which it's going to happen uh, in a in a democracy, and that's if uh, if so. the opposition uh, uh, votes uh, gets yeah. the votes, and therefore gets the power, and then that's uh, how that's how it's supposed to work. It's. Uh, in, in a uh, administrative state like we have now, it gets very, very difficult to implement because you get you have uh, administrative state trying to uh, as a third as a third force trying to uh, advance its own its own goals, which which are not necessarily or even uh, figuratively uh, 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 accepted by by the political class frequently uh, so it's it's the more 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 parties you get to uh, do in in power doing things the harder it is to uh, make uh, make them uh, make them uh, responsible responsible for for what they did now let's say you got you got a, a Republican uh, House, Senate, and Presidency in uh, 2024, I think you could see uh, a lot of retribution done. But it, it's going to Well, you know, I, I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to make a statement here because this is, you know, if there was ever a weakness in my view with Donald Trump in, in aspects is that he was not quick to fire people within the administrative class or the political class he should have fired. Uh, when it became self-evident last May, for example, that that the advice he was getting from Tony Fauci and Debbie Burks and others was not very good, uh, he he continued to allow them to be official spokespeople for the administration, even though he had to know he was figuring out what they're telling me was garbage, and that's what I think is. You know, to me, it's not just getting elected 2024. Is that you're going to have to have an administration willing to start throwing people out the door. You know, you go to the Department of Justice and figure out, okay, anybody appointed by this administration, you sent them out the door. You go to the intelligence side of the committee or the military side. Because people have to remember, about 200 military generals were replaced by Barack Obama. He cleaned out people that he didn't want, that wasn't going to follow his policies, who were going to be in opposition to his policies. And and certainly you did not see that in a good portion of the Trump era, and you better start seeing that in the next administration if we win all those – win everything back. Because I'm going to tell you, if you don't, the same thing repeats itself. The bureaucracy keeps moving as if it doesn't have to uh, pretend elections matter, uh, and and that you know, that's my. You know, what do you think? You know, it's not just about winning elections. You got to start cleaning out house. 
Because part of winning an election is doing exactly that. Your well, it's it's more. First of all, it's more than a four-year job to uh, yeah. penetrate down deep enough in the in the uh, uh, bureaucracy to actually uh, convert the um, the uh, actors to uh, a different point of view. And uh, so, but it has to. It, it obviously has to start with um, with the uh, with changing the changing the, the the leaders of the the captains of the various teams. Yeah. In, in the case of Trump, he he had no background in in government. He didn't know who was who was who, and and he didn't know who the good guys were and who the bad guys were. And it took him quite a while, as it would anybody, to find out that uh, just because uh, the the uh, general that you made uh, the department, the uh, defense secretary, had a had a cute, funny name, uh, it didn't mean that he was going to be a guy that would uh, follow what you wanted to have done. And the same thing with the secretary of state and so on. Uh, so he, he yeah. started off with a, a kind of deficit of, of prior knowledge, yeah. and he didn't trust the well, right I, people yeah. for a long time. Well, I agree with you that that, and that says certainly in the beginning of the administration, you know, that is exactly what the case was. You know, he didn't have that experience of working Washington, knowing who to trust. Him. But the other aspect of it is that he also represented a totally different wing or totally a difference in let's say, what the political class, including those on the Republican side. And, yeah. and, and so that is it. But, I, but it's important for people to understand. You've got that this has to be part of the package, that it's not just about electing people. You've got to start cleaning up the bureaucracy. You know, you got to start cleaning out the bureaucracy or else you're going to have an issue. Why don't we take a quick break here, uh, here on the Donaldson Files and the Bachelor. Actually, not the Donaldson. Yes, sorry. Uh, the Resistance Hour with Dr. Larry and Tom. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with this talent, one in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? One in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism? One in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. 
Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Welcome back to the Resistance Hour. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. You're listening to the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And Tom, you were uh, you had this the floor. Yeah. Before the yeah, break. like I say to me. Yeah, I had to. I mean, like I say to me, the number one objective that we have to have uh, is got to be, like I say, we have to understand that. To change the culture, you have to change the culture of the bureaucracy, and you have to start, and more importantly, you have to rein in its power, which brings me to the other aspect, is that Congress has perfectly been willing to allow itself to have the administrative state take control over much of their responsibility. Here's a couple of stats here. uh, for every law the Congress passed, there are 10 regulations passed by the administrative state. They, in fact, are becoming the lawmakers as opposed to Congress. And, and this is like Jonathan Turley brought this up. And he also added, for every time you go to court, 10 times you're going to be prosecuted or you're going to be facing an administrative uh, an administrative from the administrative state. In other words, you're more likely to have to deal with an IRS, IRS type agent or an OSHA personality versus having to face your own jury of peers and a judge. And these are the things that are slowly eroding the very democracy that we have, where we are losing that control. And that's why I think, you know, for Republicans, this has got to be a part of any priority. Or let's say, you know, of reigning in the administrative state. Because if we don't do it, history keeps repeating itself. Your thoughts? Well, I think I think Trump's uh, another another problem that Trump had was that you have to have you have to have your own party behind you. And because all of those people in the Senate and the uh, in the House have their own connections uh, with the uh, with the administration with the uh, bureaucracy, because they're the people that are on the committees and they bring in these various uh, people to uh, to testify and and that's how they and then they have uh, you know various. Uh, constituent uh, re, uh, requests and, and they get to know who the people are that are on the uh, administrative side. Whereas if, if the, the president, the president is one person and he comes in and if, if he, if he doesn't have uh, much of much understanding of who, who he should have in his own team, 
and then he also doesn't have the leadership and and half of the uh, the uh, members of the other of the other, other branch of government, Senate and House, on his side and telling him, giving him good advice, telling him who's who and what's what and how much. How it's good and what's bad and who know, who knows this and who knows that. Uh, if he doesn't have all that institutional memory to uh, add it, uh, uh, available, then he uh, he has he, he has to have it. You, you can't govern without it. And uh, his problem was he didn't have that and didn't even know he needed it until, for example, he ran uh, in his. For his campaign, he was running against Washington D.C. He had to, he wanted to clean up, clean the swamp, and the swamp was all these politicians that these lifelong politicians, many of whom were in his own party, and who were scared to de scared to death of him, and uh, and he didn't realize that he needed those people until he got got elected and found out that he couldn't do much without them, and. Uh, and of course, many of them remained very uh, uh, hostile to him, some secretly and some openly. Uh, and Paul Ryan, for example, is a good example. Uh, Mitch, his, uh, Mitch, uh, Mitt Romney came back. You know, he, he uh, you know, was risen from the dead, and so on. Um, and, and a lot of a lot of that is just human, uh, f the human factor. And uh, so, anyway, that that well, you're talking about retribution for for mistakes and for uh, for uh, not, sometimes not mistakes but devious uh, behavior. Uh, you firstly you have to identify it, and and that, that that's a big problem in itself. But it takes longer than four years. I mean, Roosevelt well, I, I was, had yeah, I, fifteen years, and he still didn't get it all. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right in the respect that it's going to take more than four years or eight years. But you can begin the pattern, and you do so, you know, you know, you know, at the leadership side of the equation, or let's say those underneath the leadership side. You, you, do, you know, personnel. There was an old saying: personnel is policy. Personnel is policy, and and that you know, and, and the other aspect comes in play is that there's a point that you kind of made, you know, the political establishment side, is that let's say if you look at the what I call the populist conservative side of the wing of the party, is you know there wasn't exactly a whole lot of experience, experience people on the let's say the Trump side of the equation ready for government because basically it was an entirely new set of policies, policy that was relatively new, in particular on the foreign policy side, where you had an entire uh, political generation raised on, let's say, the Cold War and never realized, okay, that the situation has changed. A, a generation that, you know, focused, you know, had Russia and the Soviet Empire not realizing that China had replaced Russia in that role. But I do think it is time for, let's say, those of us to start thinking along those lines for the next time around. And I do see some beginning. I mean, you look at the Secretary of State Pompeo, you know, he 
you know, he was an instrumental part of the foreign policy. You look at, you know, Richard Grinnell, who was the ambassador, to, I think, to Germany before working as a, in, a term, you know, an intern, internment guy, what's the correct word? He was not appointed, he was appointed, interim. but never approved. Yeah, interim, yeah. Uh, and the intelligence side of the equation. But these are people, and, and, and what you need to start picking up that new generation of, okay, of leadership that comes, you know, from the grassroots. And maybe it goes back to the point that you and I have t- talked about, looking at the state. You look at a Ron DeSantis. I mean, look, right now, the Biden administration is doing everything they can to undercut Ron DeSantis because they fear him. You know, they truly fear him. But I think you look at people like Ron DeSantis or Christy Noem or others, it's going to have to be done on a state basis. And we do, and we do get a chance to see who's for real and who's not, who's going to stand up and who's not. Uh, Who's going to simply say, this is bad policy or bad science, and I'm not going to do it, or I'm not going to encourage it, and those who retreat. And we're getting a pretty good idea along those lines exactly that, you know, those who stand up and those who do not. Uh, well, you got 19 of them, the senators that didn't stand up. No, uh, no. Well, you know what? We know who they are now. Yeah. And if, you know, and, you know, I kind of think back. I mean, Starting to me, it comes down to leader. yeah. Well, the minority leader may not, like I say, in 2026, his time will be up. But it's also time to start thinking along the lines of okay, of finding that replacement. It's the same thing in Utah. You know, in 2024, uh, you know, there's nothing that says that Mitt Romney is is irreplaceable. He is. Uh, in Alaska, you've got Lisa Moraski, who's up for re-election in 2022. And and you do have an opponent to her. You look at, let's say, Lynn Cheney uh, in Wisconsin, I mean, in Wyoming. You have to start looking in that direction. You know, and, but you're absolutely correct. We got names of people who, when the chips were down, failed to perform. But that's you know, it, but it begins on the party level. Your thoughts? Well, you you got you, you have to, you know, a lot of the more of this you know going in, the better off you are in terms of trying yeah. to uh, get your policies. Not only, first of all, you have to get many of them through Congress. You know, not all of them, but you know. Executive orders have become much more common now than they used to be, but nevertheless, uh, you, 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 the first problem for many things like budgets uh, is you have to get it through Congress. But then, once it gets through Congress, you also have to get it implemented in such a way as not to uh, lose the the very uh, purpose of the legislation. That, that you were fighting for uh, and it frequently gets uh, gets uh, regulated out of out of primacy you know the bureaucracy gets a hold of it and they change all the they, they change they in, invent the rules and, and 
such, and finally, you know, all of a sudden you find that what you got through Congress doesn't seem to be reflected accurately in the in the thrust of the uh, regulatory side. So, you know, you've got to you got you, you have to have somebody that knows how how to spot that and how to stop it and how to how to redirect it. And again, that that means somebody that's been around Washington for a long time, because it's the only way you get this this kind of uh, insight. It's it's if you see um, if you if you see things happen uh, over a period of time and you see certain patterns. And and since the bureaucracy is so huge and and the government itself is so huge, it's very hard to get. Uh, you, you almost have to get insiders in that particular cabinet area or uh, or other department. Um, so, and then, and, and then when you get somebody that comes in from the outside and challenges the whole darn uh, structure, and get I mean uh, the bureaucracy turns in a in a New York minute they turn away from away from that uh, that uh, candidate that just won like they did with Trump and in fact they uh, they they turned against him and and they started to undercut him and and it took him a long time to figure that out in the meantime we've got to take a break you're listening to the resistance hour uh, on the Bachelor News Radio Network Go, Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse! Go, guys! Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? Of course. I I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow, Jinx. <laughs> did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's true, I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? yeah pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah so yeah. obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Listening to the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and now Tom is going to tell us a little bit more about uh, how to listen to uh, the various uh, programs on uh, on the uh, internet. Yes, you can listen to this show and other great shows on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Here's what you do: you go to the BachelorNews.airtime.pro. Uh, the Resistance Hour is 1 and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every day. 
Plus, you can listen to us on StreamYard, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, and iTunein.com. So you've got plenty of opportunity, and don't forget you can listen to the Donaldson File every day at 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That means uh, if you're living on California, it's 8 a.m. and 1 p.m. So that's how you do it, folks. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I guess we're talking about the uh, administrative state as, as compared to uh, an, I, I, uh, an ideal of uh, justice and uh, and, bureau- and, uh, and democracy. And it's it's a very it's a very um, uh, complicated picture, and it's, yeah. it's almost to the point where the punishment is the lack of power. Or the, if if the other com- if the other um, party that's in opposition gets elected, then your your power is going to be uh, diminished, and that's probably about as much as we can hope for. There's very few uh, bureaucrats get put into jail for uh, for for doing things that uh, probably are pretty dishonest, if not uh, criminal. And uh, mm-hmm. but for some of them, that that's that's a real that that is a real punishment. But yeah. that's probably well, yeah. not, not the main thing we ought to be thinking about when we <laughs> when we. When we're thinking about who to vote for, that's probably not one of our major concerns. Do you think? Well, it's not. You know, you're, it's never one of our major concerns. But it's time to start thinking in terms of if you're going to talk about draining the swamp, you've got to uh, drain the swamp. You got to start thinking in those terms because, uh, you know, as we found out with this you know, past administration, the Trump administration. If you don't drain them, they'll drain you. You, know, you look at the intelligence, you look at the FBI, and the Russian collusion hoax is a good classic example where, quite frankly, you know, again, nobody's yet to pay a price. Nobody's gone to jail. But those very people responsible for that, well, one of them is now, is now the president. You know, he was, you know, Joe Biden was the vice president during, you know, when this all began. And it's not like they didn't have a clue or an idea what was going down. They did. Uh, and so when you have you, you see that consistently, you know, you know, this is, you know, and that's the reason why I say, you know, these are issues that have to come in play because if you have a situation where you can't trust the administrative state, uh, or you can't trust your government to enforce the laws equally, what do you have left? A lack of trust. And we are seeing this. And once that bond of trust between the people and the government, it's something that can't be recaptured. And we see this with the coronavirus. I think a good portion of our problems dealing with the coronavirus is that, quite frankly, you know, we have people who've been on record of being wrong, and they're still in power. They're still available. You know, I had years ago, I would put this one, when this thing began, 
you know, it was, you know, Professor Riley uh, made this observation. He said, you know, when you're in the academic setting or you went in the government setting, if you screw up badly, you don't get penalized. I mean, we literally had models that were off by a factor of five to ten times, you know, anywhere between 300 to 1,000 percent. Why? That's not even good for government work. And yet many of those very same people still have their jobs. And in the process, we engineered policies that just, quite frankly, are going to end up killing more people, destroying more jobs, destroying lives and communities than the virus ever would have done. And and it's time for those people to start paying the price for their mistakes that have cost lives and have basically disrupted lives and disrupted communities. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how to make that in, you know, and I guess maybe I should try to figure out a way how to make that into a 30-second commercial. <laughs> but we are seeing it every day. Your thoughts? to a real showdown, I think, in, in uh, 2022, uh, beginning with, uh, with uh, among others, uh, Virginia. And, uh, and I think that the, the key to this whole, this whole puzzle is really whether we're able to uh, maintain uh, our uh, integrity of our, of our elections. Uh, it's yeah. it's being roundly assaulted, and if the uh, if the uh, Democrats uh, succeed in uh, federalizing the uh, the rules and the in implementation of uh, federal elections, uh, we probably will never see another uh, another Republican Congress uh, in either house. So. Uh, but nevertheless, if, and if they don't succeed, uh, I think we're going to see a major turnover, uh, starting perhaps with uh, with Virginia. There's a couple of other states too that are that are yeah. doing. Um, do you, I, I don't know which ones they are. You probably do. Well, I know New Jersey's got an election this year, uh, but that's New Jersey, and New Jersey. And let me look, yeah, let me look that up real quick while. You, uh, but uh, yeah, because that's a good point. I, I, I know you're saying. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question right now. Because we had this conversation in the past, but I want you. Uh, you know, what do you think? Do you think that the you know the Republican candidate got a chance uh, to win? You mean in general or Virginia? In Virginia. Virginia. Well, there's, there's, now, a lot your... of, there's a lot of uh, angst to, about the uh, current governor, and it's, it's a lot, most of it's really tied in with the, um, I think, with the school situation. You know, he kept everybody uh, out of school for over a year, and he's, even now he's just came out with a mandate that all the children have to have uh, Masks as they go back to school, and it's it's all kind of fluid. He's he's yeah. generally stuck by the 
uh, teachers' yeah. unions, and that's not very popular in a lot of places. So, well, it does. It looks, let's follow up on that point. You know, because we had a show with one of those school board members. Yeah, we did. Uh, here. And I thought his, it was a fascinating conversation because we should save up front before we talk what he stated on our show. Because he's a Democrat. He's not a Republican. He, he's a Democrat. And he made some very interesting observations. He said, look, I've looked at the science. And he said, and, and I looked at the data. And he basically said, look, number one, keeping the kids out of school was a disaster. They because he had the test scores were showing the disaster side, including in particular among minorities within his school district. He also stated that there was no evidence to suggest that there was any significant issues health-wise bringing those kids into the classroom. And he even went as far as saying, you know, the masks were an absurdity. Wearing mask mandates for school children it was an absurdity. The science didn't back it up. But he also acknowledged it's the only way I could get these people, my fellow school board members, to agree with me to get the kids back in the classroom uh, is by voting for the mask mandate, even though I knew scientifically it was crap. Now, he didn't use the word crap, but I'm paraphrasing him because he's a very nice, polite gentleman. Uh, yeah, but, I, talked, I, I talked to him today, by the way, and, and he said the same thing. Yeah. And he said this on the air, by the way. I mean, he said, yeah, he said this on the air. So, I mean, I mean, you can go back to show two weeks ago, and he was on the air saying exactly what, you know, we, you know, we're doing. But it comes back down to the point where we're not even following this. We're, you know, we're not even making even pretense to follow the science on, on any of this. You know, I, you know, and I have to be honest with you. There are times and places where I – I try to swallow my tongue when I'm out in public because I know people are scared to death. This virus have been scared to death for 18 months. They've been told this is the bubonic plague. They treat it as such, you know, and, and it's a virus that kills two to four per a thousand. Yeah. We're talking about maybe a virus that on the average, you know, kill maybe two per a thousand more than the average flu season pandemic, very close to this. And, and yet, I mean, and we have people, you know, scientifically speaking, again, you're, you know, you know, the gentleman we had on the show, Latif, uh, Dr. Latif was the gentleman that we're talking about. He's your ophthalmologist, correct? That's true, yes. Yeah. And I, I, had, a, I had an operation yesterday. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, and my point would be is that, you know, my point is, we're at a point where you have smart people who know this is BS. But they're reined in either by the fear of the people around them or the fear that this government put into this whole aspect. Uh, Beck, you know, after the next break, there's, I, I'm going to share something that, that is, you know, you know, from Twitter from a good friend of mine, and I'm going to – it kind of talks about where we're at with all of this. Uh, but uh, uh, but you get – you know, but I'm at a point where – some. You know, but I'll go back to the point where sometimes I understand. It's like the other day there was a lady – you know, I was listening to a conversation, 
And she says, you know, she was a teacher. She said, well, they make people get shots for polio. They should make them get shots for COVID. And I almost felt like saying COVID is not polio. One was a disease that literally would cripple you. This is a virus that 99%-plus people survive with no problems. But that's where we're at. Well, hold that thought. We're, uh, you're listening to the uh, Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. You might know me on 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in the six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. to the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Tom, you were yeah. about to give us a surprise. Yeah, I, I, okay, here it is. Okay, I'm gonna, I want to kind of listen because the, the airlines, you know, the FAA is now saying the mass mandate that you have to go through to get on the airplane are going to last till January 2022. And and here's the thing. This is from Wilf O'Reilly. You know, he's worked with me in the past. He's uh, and and this is what he you know this is what he states. I mean, this is what he's reporting that his plane. Because in fact, interesting enough, because I'm I'm going to be meeting with him tomorrow uh, on a project we're working on together with a group of other people. And he, so he's on his so he's flying. You know, so here's what he says. My plane's been delayed because some random. This is a key element. Vaccinated person wasn't wearing a mask at American Airlines. He's going to have armed guard gates, take him off, and people are literally, you know, chatting just one life. But I don't know what that means. I'll have to, this is real as happened. I am on American Airlines. I didn't see a weapon. They just hustled the guy off, and they put him on a no-fly list. And we're sitting here on the ground. Now, this goes back. There's so many things with this story. Number one. I'm vaccinated. You're vaccinated. We know that vaccinations are either A, are going to reduce the chance of getting the virus, and if you get the virus, you know, having any serious illness. Uh, okay? So, it, you know, it's kind of like any other virus. It's like a flu vaccine. It's not perfect, but it does reduce everything. Correct? All right? We didn't use you know, vaccinate with the idea of getting your life back. This is what we were told. Get your life back. Now we're being told, well, we have the Delta variant, which, uh, which I'll get in a little. And all of a sudden, we're back to the same old fear. We're back to the same old control. 
You know, it's almost like the mask or a mechanism of control. It's no longer about safety. It's no longer about uh, because the safety aspect of the mask, you know, there's very little evidence seen to suggest that a cloth mask is going to protect you from the from a virus. All right, but here's the thing: a guy's vaccinated. You know, if you ever been on an airplane, anybody's been on a plane for like, go to the airport, you got your mask on, you get on a plane, and you fly for a couple of hours. It's not the most comfortable thing in the world. That's not the most comfortable thing. And I keep asking myself, okay, this vaccinated guy is probably believed a month ago, I'm going to get my life back because I've been vaccinated. Lo and behold, we're being told, no, you're not. You're not going to get your life back. We don't care how many times you've been vaccinated. We don't have how many boosters you're going to end up getting. And this is the credibility. I mean, this goes back to credibility, but it goes back to, you know, to a, a class, a scientific class that have made so many damn mistakes on this virus, impacted people's lives. And nobody pays the price, but this poor fellow who gets vaccinated is now on a no-fly zone, no-fly list. Explain that to me people. If you're out there, call me up. Call us up. 646-929-0130 and explain to Larry and I why this is good, sound public policy, where we ought to be wearing masks until damn right until January 2022 and beyond. Just to fly an airplane. If you've been vaccinated and you do all the right things. Yeah, that's my there, rant, Larry, but there isn't, go ahead. There isn't any rational answer. I mean, yeah. the only answer is, you know, you said, it's, it's power. They, 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 this whole thing is, is now become an instrument of political power as opposed to uh, anything scientific. It's, it's obvious yeah. that science is no longer plays uh, any role really at all. The scientists are now, the real scientists are coming out and saying saying the same thing. And they, and by the way, they can't figure out why the uh, FDA has not endorsed the uh, the uh, vaccines that are on the market and that have been used by millions of people. And uh, still, they're uh, dragging their 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 heels and giving a rationale. For a lot of people that they're not, uh, that don't want to, or for some reason don't want to get a vaccination, so it's uh, it's 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 hopelessly uh, corrupted, frankly. And if you can, well, here's the thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, the a, a pandemic, boy, you can politicize anything. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Okay, the FBA. Okay, now they're going to say the Pfizer COVID. Now they don't say Madonna. They don't say. The others, they just say the Pfizer will get approval in January. I mean, in September, we'll get around to it. And, oh, yeah, we're now going to recommend you get a booster shot. Well, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, if you're going to approve one, why don't you just approve them all? I mean, what's his game plan? But here's the thing. How do you get – take this a step further because if you want to – yeah, I Johnson – okay, 
about a few months ago, Johnson Johnson, they found blood clots in women 30 to 50. It was, and then went back, they looked at one in a million. What they ended up doing, and I remember one of the scientists who was sitting on the board said, okay, fine. Why don't we just simply not use it in these, in that select patient, keep everybody else using the vaccine, uh, like, for example, the elderly, keep it going, and maybe just, okay, we'll just hold off and giving it to this group until we investigate this. Well, we don't need to take the whole thing off the market. What did they do? They took it right off the market. Then they put it back on the market because they found out one in a million shot. And, and at that point, and and at that point, the uh, you know the you know people the you know the drop in vaccination rates started to occur. It comes you know it, it, well. I mean, here's the thing: why should people you know people are sitting there saying, "Well, wait a minute, you took this off the market. Now you're putting it back on the market. You haven't approved it. You're only going to approve now. You only got to approve one out of three vaccines immediately. What about the other two? And now you're telling us we need boosters." Uh, I mean, there's so many different aspects that people have been told that there's a point that the credibility has been shot straight to hell. And at this point, where's the science saying? It's the same thing where you have a an advisor to Biden come out and say, point blank, you know, cloth masks don't work. And we know from the emails that Tony Foster knew they weren't going to work. And if you look at past CDC studies dealing with the influenza virus, that there was a limitation to mass benefits. But here we are, and you have a, you know, Dr. Latif telling us, I have looked at the data, but the reality comes into play. We're doing mass mandates regardless, irrespective of the science. It's about control at this point. It's not about science. Yeah. Why I said uh, well, he said he got all the kids back in school, and that was his that was his big uh, his big interest there. His big uh, he said that they just didn't do too well in in that uh, virtual situation, and he decided to switch it. And I said, well, what about the what about the uh, mask deal? And he said, well, he said. Decide to go yeah. against the governor in uh, in uh, the with the uh, mask deal, and I say you know we're not going to require kids to wear masks in in, uh, in our school district. Yeah. Well, you absolutely yeah you're absolutely right. And by the way, I'd like just a, a quick point. You're 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 kind of cutting in and out uh, on your mic. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, yeah, that, said, that, is that better? Yeah, perfect. Now, go ahead and repeat what you just said. Because I want people uh, he, to listen to the, what you just said. Yeah, he said that uh, that he's gonna he, he's gonna fight the. First of all, his first priority was to get the kids back in school because they hadn't done very well in uh, in various tests uh, showing that they were. They had lost a, a year. In his case, not a year. It was actually only a couple of months. But even so, they it had it had hurt their uh, their uh, progress 
as far as uh, the various subjects that were being uh, uh, taught. So he said uh, he wants to, first of all, he, that was his priority, and he wanted to fight the battle that he could win. And I asked him then, what about the uh, masks? Uh, and he said, uh, the problem is if if I decide to go against the governor uh, on this, then I've got a lawsuit on my hands. I've got a big divisive issue, and uh, I probably would lose. And uh, and so therefore, I'm not going to take it on. And I said uh, that's perfectly reasonable as far as I'm concerned. But it proves the, your your point that this is all about. This is all about power. It has nothing to do because, you know, the governor in, in Virginia is himself a, uh, a physician. So he's, he's also uh, qualified to make uh, some uh, d scientific uh, decisions, and, and, uh, but, but, but he's not doing it. He's, he's, uh, he's not Ron DeSantis. He's just uh, going along with uh, with the, uh, the, the you know the democratic uh, credo of the day, so yeah. it's all about well, power. And you're perfectly yeah. correct that there that that that's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, I mean, like you say, I mean, here's the thing. Like you say, yeah, I feel bad for Dr. Latif because he you know a Democrat, by the way. I mean, people should understand he is not a Republican. So this is a and so I want people to understand that, you know, he, what he's saying, what he's doing, is not based on politics. It's based on the science, as he understands it and as he's read it. And, and his wife is also a, is a doctor. So it's, you know, it's a yeah. – <laughs> and It's and based on what he's hoping that he can get the kids – get for the kids. Yeah. yeah. And that's all he can get. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, it, you know – I agree. I mean, like I said, I, I respect this guy even more and more, strictly because, you know, he's mainly because of his party affiliation, you know, is that he's willing to go up against the grain, unlike Northam, who should know better. But but then again, you know, this is, uh, you know, Governor Blackface, if I remember correctly. Is he not – or is he Governor White Sheet? I can't remember. Well, um, yeah, we're coming. Uh, we're, we're getting close to the end here, Tom. What do we think? Yeah. What's the What's the bottom line on all this? Well, I mean, here's the bottom line. My bottom line is very simple. I'm, I'm going to begin with, you know, when I started, you know, yesterday, when I started today. You know, we are now a society. Yes, I made a point of mediocrity. We're mediocrity is supreme, and I began my point with what happened in the state of Oregon where the governor signed a bill that there'd be no more having to prove to, that you're proficient in math, English, literature to pass high school in Oregon. They basically got rid of all the proficiency exams. Uh, and when I said to myself, this is the bigotry of low expectations. If there was a phrase that was just bigotry of low expectations where literally people are being told that are being told, quite frankly, 
uh, of expect, you know, the lower expectation. And I just say to myself, if this is where we're at, uh, then how can we be, stay a great society where we're no longer expected to be the best we can possibly be, where people can screw up on, gov- on a major scale? like we've witnessed with Afghanistan, what we're witnessing here with the coronavirus. And and still keep their jobs. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, there's a time for ca- accountability. Your thoughts? Well, I'm, I'm going to be a little more optimistic. We must protect and increase the integrity of the vote because if we allow another election to be stolen the way the last one was, uh, there's probably no hope for the whole the whole uh, republic. So that's where we have to we have to focus our efforts. And secondly, um, if we do uh, if we do uh, try to uh, if, if 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 the vote is held and it's and it is true and it's not it's not no cheating the way it was last time, then the next thing is right. we have to get the guys uh, who are going to uh, stand up to the to the challenges of of the uh, uh, re, re, restoring the republic to the direction that that was going. And we can't have any more of the 19 uh, uh, rhinos that are going to, uh, you know, dilute anything that the Republicans can do. Yeah. Uh, First, yeah, first of all, yeah, I just got a text here about what about impeaching the president. I'm not sure this is an impeachable offense, but certainly it is, you know, it's – I I'd say, well, I ask you, what do you think? You think this is an impeachable offense? Um, what is an impeachable offense? Uh, let's just say, should we impeach President Biden for what he's done for the past, uh, just in the past, uh, you know, weaker? Well, uh, impeachable is is uh, defined as whatever the uh, the uh, House of Representatives decides it is, and I don't think they're going to. They're going to do yeah. anything of the sort, so I, I suppose it's not not going to be impeachable anyway. I think if you had a yeah. hostile Congress, that uh, they would step into it legislatively, and and perhaps I, I think he's done a lot of things that could, that could be considered impeachable, but uh, yeah. I don't think I it's think, going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I did. Before we uh, before we leave here, real quick, I we did have a caller just at the very last minute from Florida. I'm uh, sorry, we're not going to be able to get your comments in. I know he basically made the point uh, briefly off air. You know, you know, Joe Biden's doing what he's told to do. Uh, it's a thing we can follow up on a little bit later, uh, sir. If you feel free to call back next week at this time between uh, seven and eight uh, Florida time uh, on the Don- on the Resistance Hour with Dr. Larry and Tom. And L- Larry, I'm going to let you say goodbye. Well, we uh, thank you for uh, listening tonight, and uh, we uh, certainly wish uh, wish our listeners well. 
and uh, we hope that God will bless America. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.